Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now. for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure... Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And of course, they have Junior Bergen t-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. If you're planning a meeting, conference, or special event in Missoula, consider the Wingate by Wyndham. Our event space is comfortable and flexible. Whether you need an intimate boardroom meeting or a conference war 100, Missoula's Wingate is the perfect fit. Our audio-visual equipment, upgraded internet, and flexible food and beverage policies allow you to put on an impressive show without breaking the bank. Call us at Missoula's Wingate, where we make you feel at home when you're not. Montana. It's still game week, so we're still talking football, college and high school, and maybe even a little pro, and the Missoula Osprey, for the first time in 19 games, return to Missoula to play one. It is Tutel and Nuanas on 1029 ESPN Radio across Western Montana and across the state of Montana on SWX Montana Television. Hi, how are you? Great to be with you. Thanks for spending some time with us on this Tuesday afternoon. Hope you are having a wonderful day. We are broadcasting live from the Kurtz Polaris Studios. Kurtz Polaris is at 2904 West Broadway in Missoula, Highway 83 in Sealy and online at KurtzPolaris.com. You can find us on the World Wide Web, 1029ESPN.com there. You can listen live on the Listen Live tab. Imagine that. It's not coincidence. We built it that way. It's there for your convenience. You can listen on the stream thanks to Opportunity Bank, your local bank, your opportunity. We also can get a, get you in here live on your telephones, 329-1899, the phone number, 329-1899, the phone number. All guests join us via the Rankage Brothers RV phone line so very much to get through today we'll see what we can get to uh a, you know on a on a tuesday usually tuesdays are a little bit you know kind of got to figure out what we're going to do not today it is jam-packed today we're going to talk uh some more about montana state playing texas tech and some more about the university of montana playing south dakota we got a couple of things to get to we have some more sound from uh, both press conferences from yesterday that we pushed off to today this is more of the football stuff today that we didn't we yesterday we talked more about kind of broadly these teams in general and kind of the, uh, you know, the, the feeling around them and what they need to look out for and what they're, you know, getting ready to do going into these games. 
Today we will talk specifically about the football side of things uh, as it pertains to these games. So we'll do Montana State here off the top with Jeff Choate. We will do the University of Montana at the top of the hour. At 5.30, very much looking forward to this, Travis Johansson, who is the new defensive coordinator for South Dakota, Montana's opponent, going to join us, uh, as you will hear in some of the sound from from Bobby Houck, but a new defensive coordinator, and Montana basically has no idea what South Dakota is going to do uh, in terms of, of, of the way that they're going to play defense, what they're going to do in terms of the schemes that they're going to run. And so, uh, you know, we'll talk to, uh, to uh, Johansson about that and about, not you know, I try to uncover any, uh, you know, any any mysteries here, but just about the, you know, maybe how 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 you could come in with a little bit of a, a element of surprise into a game and all that, and what they expect out of the University of Montana as well. We also, in a half an hour from now, we're going to have Deshane Bennett and uh, uh, let me see. Oh, sorry, I put it around. Haley Mickelson, uh, Deshane Barnett, and Haley Mickelson. Uh, one uh, Barnett, Mr. Barnett is the executive director of the Missoula Urban Indian Health Center, and Haley Mickelson is the UM director of diversity and inclusion. There's an indigenous celebration on Thursday and Pride Night on Friday at the Missoula Osprey Fields uh, for the uh, Osprey baseball game. So they're going to come in here, talk to us about that stuff as well, which we are looking forward to. Colton, let's get into uh, some football stuff, though, here, man. We uh, we talked a lot about both these games. It was obviously the Montana football hour in the first hour of the show yesterday, but we're going to do an hour plus today. Oh, by the way, also uh, in the show, we are going to get Matt Johnson in here. Uh, we went to a couple of high schools today, interviewed some of the coaches. We got some more coaches to go track down as well. But Matt Johnson, the head coach of the uh, Big Sky Eagles football team, uh, good enough to uh, sit down with us, so we'll bring you that as well. So we'll, we'll get into it. But uh, yesterday, Coulter, we talked, uh, obviously, about Montana, Montana State a lot, and the Cats going to play Texas Tech. And I said yesterday I didn't want to talk about the weather, per se, because I think the weather, you know, I mean, it's just too low-hanging fruit. But but football in an outdoor setting, the weather is a real thing. And when you are traveling from places that are warm to places that are very cold or vice versa, it is a it is a natural and and reasonable element to discuss. And when you talk about what is going to happen in a football game that is by no accident been scheduled for a kickoff at three in the afternoon in Lubbock, Texas, for Montana State, uh, it is something that is is potentially a real factor. A hundred nine in Lubbock yesterday. That, my friends, is not a livable condition as far as I'm concerned. I don't know what you're doing down there in Lubbock, Texas, to deal with that kind of temperature. Now, the good news is on Saturday, supposedly a reprieve is coming. We're talking about maybe into the low 90s uh, for a high, maybe even just the high 80s, which is very reasonable. But it also may be accompanied by a storm. Look, we don't know if there's going to be a storm rolling through, but we will hear from Jeff Choate in a moment. But, Colter, when you think about you know Montana State, look, we know all the factors that they have to deal with going into this game game and what it is to play a big 12 opponent when you're coming from the FCS and, and and that what is the weather though man the heat when you're coming from Bozeman Montana going down to to Lubbock Texas like for you I think big games automatically and first games automatically mean that you have a chance to get more tired early in other words it's going to take you you're going to have to find your second wind a lot faster because I think there's an adrenaline factor Anybody that's ever played in big games or first games, you, you kind of just you feel drained right away, and then you have to find your second win. Well, then that's accentuated by the heat. Mm-hmm. I think there's a, an assumption when you're a Texas team that you're playing a Montana team that has never experienced any sort of heat. 
And I think that's a little bit overplayed a lot because it's so hot in Montana in the summer. It hasn't been hot in Montana this summer. Right. I don't think the Cats had a single day of fall camp where it was over 90 degrees, maybe one. Besides that, it was mostly in the 70s and 80s. So it is an acclimation period. If they had been practicing in 95 the whole last month, which is very typical for Montana in August usually, then I think that they would be more acclimated to the weather. But this is going to be a different deal. It's a dry heat, which I don't know how that really plays out. Um, But then you talk about on turf in a big stadium like that, it's going to be 15 degrees hotter on the turfs as well. So the high when this game was first moved to 3 o'clock, was 99. It's down to 88. So well, there is a chance of about 30% chance of storms getting up to about 40% around 4 o'clock. So maybe they'll have some thunderstorms, lightning, whatever. But, you know, I, I think it's a real factor just because it's the first game. You're going to have nerves. You're going to have a bunch of guys making their first starts on both sides of the ball for the Bobcats. So, you know, how do they reset and gain their second win quickly? What sort of precautions do they take to mitigate some of these external factors well the question was posed to uh, jeff cho the montana state head coach about how much of a concern is the heat it's it's going to be three o'clock in the afternoon and it's uh, probably going to be around 100 110 111 degrees on that turf maybe as high as that and so we've just got to do a good job of managing our guys keep them rolling um, be smart with them you know and, and uh you know, player safety is always going to be the thing that we pay attention to if a guy needs to come out guy needs to come out and so you know, like I said, I know what they're going to do. They're going to try to go as fast as they can. I mean, the message has always been these guys are going to come down here from Montana and they're not going to be in shape. They're not going to be able to handle the heat. Um, it's very difficult for us to simulate it here. We don't have an indoor. I can't turn the heat on and water the turf down to try to create the steam effect. Uh, we had probably two days in the mid-80s, the entire fall camp that we were able to get on the turf. And so, yeah, I mean, that's I, that's a reality. I get that. But I'm probably less concerned about the temperature and I'm more concerned about just our guys, you know, the adrenaline that, that gets going in a pregame setting, especially for some of these guys that have never been in that setting before. See, I think that is the key right there to me, and you touched on it and he did there as well. In a first game especially, but people don't understand, when you go out there and you warm up, your your adrenaline's pumping so mm-hmm. much, and all of a sudden you're tired, you, your mouth is dry, you don't know why, you're like, I haven't hardly even done anything, and you're like trying to figure it out, and eventually that second win does kick in and you're pretty much good to go, but... There, there's moments in the game where it's going on, and you, uh, I, I don't know why I can't run. Like I'm, I can't, I can't move the way I normally move, and and that will be accentuated by the heat, but it will not be, uh, uh, it won't be a result of the heat. I guess is what I'd say. The other thing too that people, he, you know, Jeff Chote there said maybe 110 at on the on the turf. The turf is on the field. 10 degrees on average, maybe more. I'd say 15. Warmer. Most experts would tell you 15. So the the thing that, you know, if you've been down on the field, I think people know now, but, you know, the, the field turf that gets used, it looks nice, it plays nice, but it is embedded with, with a ton of rubber, of black rubber, basically ground-up tires. And, you know, it is there just under the surface, and that stuff, just yanks the heat in and holds it there and then radiates it back up to you. And, you know, it's just, it's not that fun. You know, if it's 105 degrees on the field and you go down and then all of these pieces of rubber are, you know, they get in everywhere. It's like sand at the beach when you get tackled and you go down and it's in your, inside your shoulder pads and in your pants and in your face mask and everything else. It's just, 
It's not that fun. Now, I don't think you notice it as much when you're actually out there playing and you're just sweating and you're just doing the thing, but uh, it is it is certainly a, a part of the discomfort of this. Uh, and, and, you know, again, maybe Montana State kind of gets a little bit lucky and it isn't 100 or 105 outside and therefore 110 or 115 uh, on the field. Maybe it's only 100 degrees on the field. But look, man, at some point, you're kind of splitting hairs a little bit. It's going to be hot and you're going to have to deal with it. And I think you know, Jeff Joe said, we're probably going to have a pretty short warm-up, right? Makes sense to me. Yeah, go out there. You don't need to stretch all that much. Your bone, you're, you're, you're going to be limber when it's that warm. Coulter, some people like the Clark Fork. Some people like the Flat Hood, the Bitterroot. My favorite river has always been Blackfoot. We finally agree on something. Me too. I love Thibodeau Falls. I love Rainbow's End. I love the Blackfoot River. You know, if a company was smart, they'd just name themselves Blackfoot. By God, Look at the geniuses over here at Blackfoot. They've gone and they've done it, and now guess what? They're working around the clock and around the state to lay hundreds of miles of fiber optic cables to increase hugely the, the efficiency and the speed of communication across the state of Montana. It's pretty likely you already know Blackfoot as a local partner for internet, voice, professional services, anything you need to fuel your growing business. But like you said, they're building hundreds and hundreds of miles of cable across Montana. And right now, they're expanding their fiber network into Bozeman, San Ignatius, and other regions. Find out more about what Blackfoot does. Give them a call, 866-541-5000, or go to goblackfoot.com. That's goblackfoot.com. You can click on the link here on the Podbean site, or if you're listening in elsewhere, just copy the URL, drop it in there, goblackfoot.com. From outside for sure. Stu Tell Nuanas, 1029 ESPN Radio. The other thing that is interesting in this, and, and uh, uh, Montana faces a little bit of this, at least defensively when they're facing South Dakota, but a whole new coaching staff is in place at, uh, at, at Texas Tech. Uh, obviously, Cliff Kingsbury, who was there last year, uh, uh, is the head coach of the Arizona Cardinals now. And so, sorry, Coulter, help me with his name from from Utah State. Matt Wells. Matt Wells, thank you. Went from uh, Utah State last year, is now the head coach, his first-year head coach at Texas Tech, and brings in a number of guys. So let's hear first what Jeff Choate had to say, you know, about when he was asked about trying to prepare for a a, a team that is going to be playing their first game under a brand-new head coach. It's been interesting because, you know, it's that combination of trying to look at the personnel from Texas Tech and the scheme from Utah State. Uh, one thing I will say is I really don't think they were, they're that different. You know, I, I, um, the, a lot of the past concepts that they ran at, uh, at Texas Tech under, under Cliff were, are very similar to what Coach Jost has brought. And so uh, that part of the game, I would imagine, has not been a big, a big transition for them. I'm, I'm guessing offensively it's been fairly seamless. It might be some different terminology, but a lot of the pass concepts are different. The one thing that is that they have had to probably practice on is going fast. Uh, and not to say that they, that they weren't an up-tempo offense previously, but not to the degree I think that Coach Wells and his staff want to go uh, on that side of the ball. And then even on defense, they based out of a 3-4 last year. I think you're going to see a 3-4 for the most part with quarters coverage behind it when we play these guys. Uh, you're going to see some what we call fire zone and bogus pressures on uh, mixed downs. And when we get to third down, they're going to turn it loose. They, they're going to be very aggressive on third down. That's kind of stylistically who they've been. And I don't really anticipate that changing. So a couple of things that I found to be very interesting there. First of all, you know, Cliff Kingsbury is, you know, this, this, you know, disciple of the air raid and, you know, wants to go fast and all that. And Jeff Jones says, oh, don't kid yourselves. 
this is going to be the fastest version of a Texas Tech offense that anybody's ever seen in terms of the number of plays they're going to get up there and try and run. Well, let's be clear here. Matt Wells is a good coach. Matt Wells did a good job at Utah State. They Utah State won 10 games last year. They were the Co-Mountain West champions, um, and they had a prolific offense. I think they set a school record. They averaged 47.5 points per game. But Matt Wells has the Texas Tech job right now because of David Yost. David Yost is the offensive coordinator at Texas Tech. And I, th- I was wondering, when I first started doing research for this game, because if you look back in the span, the history of Texas Tech football, you had Spike Dykes, Sonny Dykes' father, as the head coach of Texas Tech for close to 20 years in the 80s and 90s. And they played a much more traditional style. And they were, I mean, if you know anything about Texas Tech, Texas Tech is, Texas Tech is a high, research, high Carnegie research institution. It's a engineering school, a... Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a, a STEM school, a, a science, technology, engineering, and math school. It's very much like Montana State on a much higher level in Texas. It is, it is the tech school of Texas, yes, as you would assume Texas Tech would be. Right. But when what, when, would, what would the A&M school of Texas be? <laughs> there you go. Okay. But when, when you're trying to recruit in the 80s and 90s, especially when, when also SMU is a player, a real player. Yeah, for sure. And you also have Texas Christian, Texas, Texas A&M. Oklahoma is recruiting heavily in Texas. They were running traditional style stuff under Spike Dykes. How do you keep up? You can't. You're stuck forever. You are just going to be at the best, like an eight and five team every year. Yeah. So then they hired Mike Leach to go outside the box, and Mike Leach led Texas Tech to unprecedented heights. Not not the heights of still some of those contemporaries. Mm-hmm. They've never reached the heights of Texas. They've been on par with Texas A&M from time to time, but. But they've never been a, in a BCS bowl game like TCU has. Regardless, Mike Leach gave Texas Tech something unique to recruit to. And then the proliferation of the air raid, not only across the country in college football, but also across the state of Texas, mm-hmm. has had a, a big influence on, on all levels of football, no doubt. But you look at the quarterbacks that have played for Texas Tech, from Cliff Kingsbury to Graham Harrell, to B.J. Simmons, to all the way up to Patrick Mahomes. Prolific, some of the best in the country. And so when Matt Wells first got hired, I thought, okay, well, now maybe Texas Tech, the pendulum's swinging the other way. Maybe they're going to go back to a more traditional style. But then you do some research into Matt Wells' staff. The thing that helped Utah State go from a solid Mountain West program to then the last two years an incredibly competitive and, and arguably the cream of the crop in the Mountain West, I mean, they shared the league title each of the last two years, was the addition of David Yost. So if you look at David Yost's background, David Yost was the offensive coordinator at Missouri uh, from 2001 until 2012, so he coached a bunch of good quarterbacks during that time, including Chase Daniel, including uh, there was one other Missouri quarterback from that time period that, that was an NFL guy. But then he went and joined Mike Leach's staff and got a little bit more of the air raid acumen. So he was at Washington State for three years as well. Then he was at Oregon with Mark Helfrich. He was the offensive coordinator uh, when Dakota Prukop and Justin Herbert were the quarterbacks at Oregon. And then when Mark Helfrich was let go, David Yost needs a new job. Bam, he lands at Utah State with Matt Wells. But I always thought when, when Matt Wells was first hired, I thought, wow, that's an outside-the-box hire for Texas Tech. That's not the next air raid guy like you'd expect them to, to hire. Well, Matt Wells is an air raid guy now because he has David Yost as his offensive coordinator. And so that's going to be the... Uh, like Jeff Choate said, it's very similar to what they've looked like. And I think that that um, 
makes it a little easier for Montana State to prepare. The thing about the air raid is the concepts themselves are not that complicated. It's about two things. It's about the speed you want to run it at, which, make no mistake, David Yost wants to run the air raid at a faster tempo than probably almost anybody that runs the air raid, even faster than Mike Leach wants to go at Washington State. But the second thing is just the the decision-making on the quarterback. And, you know, it's like I always say, when you run the air raid, it's very much like running the option. If you choose the right option, someone's open every time. You're gaining yards every time. It's just a matter of how the defense wants to play you. Yesterday we played a soundbite where Jeff Choate was talking about when they played Washington State. Luke Falk completed his first 22 passes in that Washington State game. But Washington State was only up 14-0 at halftime after those 22 completions because Montana State basically decided to give Washington State every single thing underneath and nothing over the top. Right. Tackle the guy in space. Do not give up a big play. You wonder if they revert to a similar tactic against Texas Tech. It remains to be seen. But it is interesting that there, there would be an element of mystery on both sides of this matchup with a new coaching staff if it wasn't for the fact that the guy who's going to be calling plays on the on the offensive side is so similar to what has preceded him at Texas Tech the last 20 years. If you're looking for David Yost to watching this game on TV, maybe you're traveling down there. I don't know. You got you looking the, at his hairdo, aren't you? The, the guy who missed the turn for the surfing competition <laughs> and uh, found his way to the south, that's your, that's your guy. That's your OC for uh, the Texas Tech Red Raiders. T-Tell Nuanas, 1029 ESPN Radio. Uh, Coulter... I want to ask you about Montana State now in this specific matchup, okay? On the outside, it's easy enough, and I even think as a fan, it's easy enough to chalk this up to, hey, it's great to go play in an atmosphere, whatever happens, happens, on to week two. I don't think it's that that easy to do as a coaching staff and as a team. I think that, I think that Montana State needs to have something – that is positive come out of this football game for them as they as they head into their season. And maybe not. Maybe they could go get run by 80 points and be just fine. But often when a team, if a team really, really is embarrassed, no matter who they're playing, it 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 has resonant effects throughout the course of, of at least the immediate future, the, the forthcoming weeks, and thereby the season. What does Montana State need to do? Is it a, is it a score that they need to get to? Is it a few plays that need to go well for them? Is it a general level of grittiness or toughness? What are the things that the Bobcats you know need to accomplish against Texas Tech where you go, okay, whatever the result was on to week two and Montana State's going to be just fine? Well, I think that that's, first of all, the ironic part about playing an air raid team is I think it actually gives you a chance to mitigate some of the blowout factors a little bit better than if you're playing a, uh, like if you're playing Alabama, Alabama can beat you by seven touchdowns without throwing the ball. Mm-hmm. That just steals your will. It's just a, it's just a straight physical beatdown. Exactly. Yeah. And I think that's what Montana State needs to avoid is, regardless of the score, you watched the Montana State-North Dakota State game last year. That's as bad as you can get beat. It was a 52-10. to 10. You know, guests, the Wingate by Wyndham is the Missoula Hotel that truly offers something for everybody. No doubt. It's conveniently located near the airport, easy for when your friends come to visit you. And you know, of course, my favorite, water slides. That's right. they got an awesome water park with a sweet water slide that's perfect for families, groups, and birthday parties. But with the Wingate, they also have a terrific business travel rate, large meeting spaces for you and your clients, and one of the best rewards programs you'll find anywhere. 
Talk to me about breakfast. They're not messing around with the Continental. They got the full breakfast spread, man. That's what I'm talking about. I need that. They got you covered there as well. Just down the road from the Missoula Airport, the location is quiet and convenient. The parking is ample and free, and the staff genuinely cares about taking care of their guests. The Wingate is at 5252 Airway Boulevard. You can also call. Very simple, easily memorizable number, 541-8000. That's 541-8000. The best hotel at the best spot for a hotel near the airport. Let the Wingate by Wyndham in Missoula make you feel at home, even when you're not. Final score, 42 points. Sure, you can lose 80-8 to because you gave up a bunch of big plays. North Dakota State gave their top running back eight carries. He had 100 yards and a touchdown. Next guy up, eight carries, 100 yards and a touchdown. Next guy up, 10 carries, 100 yards and a touchdown. They're, their first three running backs are taking off their shoes in the locker room at halftime, and yeah. they got 303 yards rushing. Yeah, That's what you want to avoid. It's not necessarily about the margin of victory because, you know, say you do bite on the play action and then you get hit over the top and T.J. Vasher, a future top 50 pick in the NFL draft, Scores a long touchdown, and now and then you know then then Texas Tech has a systematic drive, and all of a sudden you're down fourteen nothing, and the game's five minutes old. That's different than like when I, Mike Kramer and I talked about this when Idaho State was really in the 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 rock bottom of what became their rebuild the year before 2014. 2014 they had actually came out and won eight games, but the year before they had to play Nebraska and Boise State back to back. And Nebraska set an all-time program record for rushing in a game. And that is saying something when you're talking about the University of Nebraska. Yeah. They rushed for 587 yards. Yeah. It's like Mike Kramer said, to get your kids to buy into anything that you're trying to tell them after they just gave up 600 yards rushing, it's a hard sell. It's tough on your confidence. It doesn't matter if you went expected to go to Lincoln and get routed. Getting routed like that is what's, what's hard. So I think that Montana State's going to have a game plan that's g- going to be centered upon and maybe exclusively focused on Limiting big plays. Make them work for it. And so I think if you just get dink and dunked to the tune of 45 completions and Texas Tech beats you 49-14, okay. If you get out of there healthy and you're not bruised and battered, I think you're all right. It's when you play, a di- you know, let's compare and contrast. And I'm not trying to compare the Grizz and the Cats to each other right now. But I think Montana it has a much more brutal game against the University of Oregon than Texas Tech with, with Montana State. Mm. Because... Purely because Oregon runs the spread option, and Mario Cristobal is a former offensive line coach, and Oregon has three elite running backs and one of the best offensive lines in the Pac-12. They're going to run it down Montana's throat if if that's what where they find their advantage. I don't think you have to worry about that as much if you're the Cats. I think that that's where, ironically, again, I think that that's where you can maybe mitigate this a little yeah. bit. I mean, you know, like a, you know what a team's you know what a team's going to do when they're Texas Tech. You, and maybe that doesn't matter, even if you're even if you're a like opponent. Even if you're even a, look, man, Big Twelve. What do we know about the Big Twelve? When it's when it's Idaho State versus Texas Tech. When it's Texas versus Kansas State, it's fifty five fifty four. I mean, you know, the, this is these are the, you're scoring a hundred points in these games, eighty points in these games regularly. Okay, so I think you know if Montana State goes in and gives up sixty points. That's you know it's it's almost par for the course even a totally. huge number like that you know and but you're right it's kind of how it happens and the one area that we go ahead well go I ahead. think that the, the one way you mitigate not giving up six, the, the Big Twelve is a tennis match it's all about break and serve how many possessions do you have how many possessions do you score and it's just like playing the old NCAA football games on Xbox mm-hmm. you choose to kick to start the game because you know if you go stop score stop. And you get the ball after halftime, 
no matter who you're playing, you're going to have a two-score right. lead. And even if you give up six touchdowns and you score eight, you're going to win. That's exactly how Big 12 football is played. How do you snare the ball? I mean, how do you get one interception to break the chain? And then if you get that interception, how do you score? And then you're, then you're up two scores because now you know you're going to go back and forth. Everybody's scoring all the time. It's much like the old Montana State-Eastern Washington games. They had that four years in a row where it was in the 50s every single year when it was Vernon Adams versus Dakota Prukop. Those games were so entertaining. But it was all about who broke the chain first, who can get that one stop, that one turnover. But if you're Montana State in this game, you can mitigate this too by moving the ball on offense. I think that the key for them to not give up 60 is to not let Texas Tech have 12 or 13 possessions. Yeah. If you, if you just make sure they have eight possessions, you can keep it in the 40s, and even if you lose by five or six scores, it's it's just different than getting into this track meet. And then don't get, don't get me wrong. I, there is a chance that Texas Tech has got Montana State's head spinning. I mean, Texas Tech beat Eastern Washington two years ago when Gage Gubrud was a junior. They had just lost the decorated class of receivers like Cooper Cup, Kendrick Bourne, those guys. But they were still really talented. And they went to Lubbock, and they got destroyed. 55-13. And it was a bad tone setter for the season, and they missed the playoffs. Eastern Washington did that year, and so I think that you know there is a chance where even even if they're, you're not getting bludgeoned by a, you know an Alabama style run game, there is still a chance where Texas Tech could get you on your heels. And if that's the case, then the air raid slices and dices you pretty good. Um, that is one area, Coulter, that we, I just want to mention just briefly. But it's we've talked, I think, a lot more about when Texas Tech has the ball and is doing the air raid, and what can Montana State do to try and really mitigate that you know, in a way. But we have not talked very much about Montana State when they've when they're on offense. And part of that is not really knowing what Texas Tech is going to do defensively and how they're gonna, you know, you know, all the personnel. Like it's it's much more signature, the air raid and what, you know, David Well uh, Yost and Matt Wells do. Uh but like you said, if you can control the ball a little bit, which we know that Jeff Choate would like to do, pick up a couple of first downs let the clock roll, be in control when you've got the football, uh, and maybe show some multiple stuff. You know what I mean? Maybe, you know, have not multiple quarterbacks, but different guys running things from under center, you know, in the oh, that's happened. run game. Oh, for that's sure, happened. For sure. And, and, uh, and, 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 and there's truly, I mean, there's legitimate talent on the field for Montana State when they have the ball, and all it takes is, you know, one guy to make what have one win in a you know in a one-on-one type of situation to go gain 12 yards get a first down move the sticks and kind of keep the thing rolling a little bit you know and that's the sort of thing sometimes these games go bad right away i think montana state though is the type of team that can you know make it respectable early and try and lengthen the thing out a little bit often these games have a turning point where all of a sudden texas tech goes up there and they score 17 points in a matter of six minutes, six game minutes. That probably will happen in this game. That would be my bet if I was going to say. I think there will be a span of that. If it's if it's minutes 10 through 4 of the first quarter, that's bad news for Montana State. If it's minutes, you know, 11 through, you know, the last four minutes of the third quarter and the first two minutes of the fourth quarter, that's, you know, that's okay. You've done what you needed to do to try and extend the thing out a little bit, I think. Well, I mean, let's compare and contrast to the Washington State game. The Cats opened up against Washington State two years ago, mm-hmm. and the Cats had Chris Murray making his first opening day start. He had started games the previous season, but it was his first time as sort of the entrenched starter. And 
that that Washington State team was preseason number 24. They went on to win 10 games. They had Luke Falk, a borderline NFL quarterback. Did play. They had Hercules Malfalata, who was Hercules. Who's named I mean, Hercules. I mean, the guy, the guy was just chucking people, just tossing offensive linemen. And that Bobcat team, they lost 31 nothing. But the, if you when you watch the game, there was only one drive where Washington State truly got rolling, and, and they had all the momentum on their side. The Cats couldn't move the ball whatsoever. And Torrey Anderson got drilled by Hercules about six on his sixth carry, and he got a shoulder stinger. And that was before we knew the true legend of Torrey Anderson, as it were. And Troy Anderson actually missed the next game because of that. And so his, his explosion onto the scene was a little bit delayed. But regardless... The Cats, I think they only had seven first downs in the entire game, most of them late. They couldn't do anything moving the ball. But they still competed and kept the score down. And, again, that Washington State team went on to win 10 games. I think that there's going to be a couple better guys on offense for Texas Tech than any skill players. I don't think Alan Bowman, the quarterback, is better than Luke Falk yet. I think he has potential. He's only a sophomore. But – Luke Falk, I mean, Luke Falk's, I think, the seventh all-time leading passer in the history of college football. I mean, Luke Falk threw for 15,000 yards. Yeah. Talk about the guy that knows how to make the right decision. He knew how to make the right decision in that air raid. But I just, I don't think that there's going to be any defensive player as good as Hercules was in that game for Texas Tech. There are a couple good guys. Jordan Brooks, their middle linebacker, is, is definitely a borderline NFL guy. Uh, I think that T.J. Vasher, Texas Tech's big receiver, is the best skill player when we're comparing and contrasting that 17 Washington State team versus Texas Tech. But I think by and large, overall, that Washington State team was better Mm. than this Texas Tech Mm -hmm. team. And Montana State, on one side of the ball, competed okay in that game. So, we'll see. It's Tutel Nuanas, 102.9 ESPN Radio. We will talk about the University of Montana versus South Dakota extensively at the top of the hour, including, uh, looking forward to this, getting uh, South Dakota defensive coordinator Travis Johansson in here at about 5.30 to talk about this football game as well with us. So we'll, we'll do the Grizz at the top of the hour. Got to tease that up a little bit more because you yeah. mentioned that he's a new defensive coordinator. And I realized this doing my research for uh, one of the stories I wrote about the South Dakota game last night. And, and every year Sports Illustrated comes out with a uh, issue called the Futures Issue. And they talk about, they analyze different progressive things coming in sports. And I, I couldn't figure out why I recognized that name, but Bobby Halk made the comment just kind of in passing that Travis Johansson was one of the great young coaches in college football. And then I looked at his resume. He's from Grandview, which is an NAIA school. And I was like, huh, you know, I wonder how this 35-year-old guy got this job. And then I realized I, I was looking back through the Sports Illustrated archives. Sure enough, the article in last year's Futures issue called The Search to Save NFL Defenses is all about Travis Johansson. Mm. So Travis Johansson is basically – he's. He built a defense at the NAI level, and I assume he's going to build one at this level where he's prioritizing positionless football. It's all about mitigation of the run-pass option. So there's the tease. This guy had an article written about him in Sports Illustrated as an NAIA coach that everybody in the country is looking to. And, uh, you know, we've seen some small school coaches with X's and O's prowess rise to high, high heights, and we've yep. seen other ones fall on their face. Who yep. knows? But he'll be an interesting guy to talk to, so there's your tease. Well, we'll talk to him in about an hour from now. But next, the Shane Barnett, the executive director of the Missoula Urban Indian Health Center, and Haley Mickelson from the University of Montana. She's the director of diversity and inclusion. They're going to be here. Why? To talk about Osprey baseball. How about that? What do they have in common? We'll tell you right after this. Coulter, you and I both know being healthy is a very, very important part of life. Am I right about that? Indeed, guess it is. Well, one of the things that makes me healthy, think you as well, fiber. Gotta have it. 
You sure do, man. You need to eat your fruits and your veggies, your bananas. You got to get all that stuff in. Maybe even some bran. Plums. All of it. Fiber is very important. Well, guess what? Turns out it's important to communication as well. You might be surprised to learn that Blackfoot and its partners have invested millions of dollars, truly, in building a fiber optic network throughout Montana, through Bozeman and around Gallatin County. More than 30 miles of fiber optic cable have been laid by Blackfoot. That's amazing. Impressive, innovative, and a perfect place with the way Bozeman's been growing. Click on the link below, goblackfoot.com slash ESPN. They're not trying to sell you anything. They don't want you to do anything. They just want you to know what they're up to and how they're improving communication across the state of Montana. So go to goblackfoot.com backslash ESPN now. are fun. Baseball games are finally back in Missoula, and themed baseball games are the best. One of the games themed, the night perhaps. It is to tell Nuance, 1029 ESPN Radio. Outstanding to be with you on this Tuesday afternoon. Hope you are having a wonderful day. We are broadcasting live from the Kurtz Polaris Studios. Kurtz Polaris at 2904 West Broadway in Missoula, Highway 83 and Sealy Online at KurtzPolaris.com. We are joined now in the studio by two very distinguished guests we're happy to have here. DeShane Barnett, who's the executive director of the Missoula Urban Indian Health Center, and Haley Mickelson, who is the director of diversity and inclusion at the University of Montana. Welcome to you both. Thanks for being here. And you are here to talk, well, not so much about Osprey baseball, but about a couple of particular evenings this week in this last homestand for uh, the Missoula Osprey. And Deshane, let's start with you. Uh, this is the Thursday night is uh, going to be uh, Indigenous Peoples Night at the University, or excuse me, at the University at Osprey Stadium uh, this Thursday evening. First of all, tell us about the the uh, Urban Indian Health Center and what it is that you as the ad- ex- uh, executive director there. Yeah, so the Urban Indian Health Center, we provide medical, dental, and behavioral health services um, to American Indians living in and around Missoula. So we see about 750 people every year, um, and we're we're looking to grow. So next year is our 50th anniversary, and we're really hoping to uh, grow, get our own building, and expand our services. And so Thursday night uh, at at Osprey Stadium at Ogren Park, what is what's going to be contained in that evening? What's going to be going on? Wow, we packed so much. Uh, you're going to be able to see drummers, dancers. We're going to have a color guard. We're going to have a Blackfeet gentleman singing the national anthem. Um, we're going to be doing uh, traditional Native American games with the kids. We're going to have Native vendors. We're going to have uh, Native booths for art, outreach, um, and all of this also trying to keep the missing murdered indigenous women um, in the forefront of our minds. Talk about that element, because that's something that's a huge issue right now in Western Montana, all over the country, but in Western Montana specifically. uh, What sort of awareness do you hope to bring to what's become sort of a crisis in this part of the world? Yeah, exactly. For us, it is a crisis, especially along the I-90 corridor. And what we see is that we're getting to a point now where Native American women are afraid to live in Missoula, to come to Missoula. You know, they hear stories if they come from the reservation and come to Missoula, that they are prime targets for human trafficking. And so what we're trying to do is just bring uh, attention to that, but also we want to honor the strength and resiliency of our Native women. 
Talk about some of the ceremonial stuff or some of the, the traditional stuff you guys are going to be showing off because Ryan and I had the distinct pleasure of calling a couple different Arley Warriors games this last year and just the pregame stuff, you know, coming out of the court with the headdresses and the, and the drum celebration and everything. It's so cool, and, and there's so much pageantry to it, so much tradition involved in it, and it's such kind of a connection to the old ways. So, uh, But the, I've never really thought of that, pairing it with a sport like baseball. So uh, how do you hope that that plays out? And it's going to be a cool experience for anybody that's never seen that kind of stuff. And one of the most awesome things is that, so we're going to be doing a, a, an honor guard, which is a traditional way to bring in the flags uh, like we do at the baseball games. Mm-hmm. But we're going to be doing it not only in a native way with native songs, but it's going to be led by American Indian women veterans. American Indians serve in the armed forces at some of the highest rates. And so we have American Indian women veterans who in this, you'll be hearing the drums, you'll be hearing the songs, the, the honor song and the flag song in the traditional languages, but you're also going to see native women veterans who have served our country bringing those flags out and we're really proud of that that's fantastic that's very cool that that is thursday night the indigenous people's night at uh, at ogren park and allegiance field and then friday evening is pride night and haley you are here uh you're the director of diversity inclusion at the university of montana and first of all tell us about that what do you do there at the university and what is the uh the the, the, the function of that de- uh, department so I have to say, um, yes. you gave me a promotion. Good. I'm actually, yes. That's what I wanted. There you go. So I it's actually. It's coming with a raise, Haley. I You'll hope be happy so. to know. Yes. I hope so. Um, so I'm actually the advisor for our student diversity and inclusion center okay. on campus, which is called the Branch Center. And then I'm also uh, the advisor for our LGBTQ student group on campus. So with that, I get to do my best to support students and make sure that they are getting a sense of community and belonging on campus. Uh, we also run trainings for our faculty, staff, other students, and even community members on how to be an ally to the LGBTQ community. So that's something really important that we do. But we're just really excited about this evening and getting to work with all of these different groups that promote pride in Missoula and support love and understanding for LGBTQ folks. And so on Friday, which is Pride Night at Osprey Stadium, what specifically is going to be going on there? So we are going to have a little pregame celebration outside of the stadium. We're hoping for it to be a really family-friendly event. So we'll have, I think we have a dunk tank, some bouncy houses. Uh, My students will be handing out little pronoun pins for people, which is really important right now. Uh, And it'll just be a fun way, I think, for people to connect with one another. During the game, we'll have... Um, fun little activities going on. I believe we're going to have a drag show at some point, which should be awesome. Very nice. Good. Well, well, so tell us, some, it seems as if um, in, in Montana and Missoula and in America broadly, that uh, acceptance and, and progress has been ma- made in a great deal, but it seems like there's also still some bridges to cross and some challenges in your way. What do you think are some of the biggest challenges when you talk about just uh, you know acceptance and uh, just on a college campus and in a community in general? I think in our community in general, there's this sense of uh, complacency, kind of like what you were talking about of there has been a lot of progress moving forward. And I think um, LGBTQ folks have gained more acceptance. However, I think it was proven even with um, the rainbow crosswalk that we had downtown that was put in and all of the vandalism that was um, inflicted on that crosswalk. I think it was a kind of an awakening for a lot of Missoulians of we like to think we live in this kind of safe bubble, but there is a lot of uh, discrimination and prejudice that still exists within our community. So my hope with this event is that it shows solidarity, but I also hope, I think, I would say there's been a lot of acceptance towards gay people and uh, 
lesbians, but I think trans folks um, experience huge, a huge amount of violence and discrimination. And I think that's something that we can't gloss over when we think of, oh, pride is just for, you know, gays and lesbians. It's like, it's for trans folks who often, again, experience a high rate of discrimination and even violence. So it's really important that we're looking at that. Haley Mickelson joining us. She is the czar of diversion and inclusion for the Western oy, oy, United oy. States. <laughs> thank How's you. That? Thank that you. A big step forward. Uh, and also Deshane Barnett, the executive director of the Missoula Urban Indian Health Center. I want to know, how does a, how does an event in general like this come up, you know, at a, at a baseball game? I know that, the, you know, the fields are the new owners of, of the Missoula Osprey and, and they are presumably a part of at least uh, okaying, you know, these things and, and coming together. But how do, you know, different groups, organizations around town say, hey, this is a great place. We'd love to be a partner with the Osprey in this and vice versa. How does that come about? Well, I can speak for the Indigenous Heritage Night. You know, the there are both minor and major league teams across the country that do have Native American Heritage Nights. And we were actually approached by the Ospreys. And the new owners, it's not just that they're supportive of this. It's that they were pushing this to happen. And mm -hmm. we are so thrilled that we can now count on them as as partners in this community. You know, this we live and work in this community. We go to Osprey games. And it's nice to know that, you know, they, they feel the same love for us that we feel for the team and for them and we've really felt that and they this was a, a for ours was a very much a community wide process we had representatives from the university from the missoula county public schools uh, from several different places all coming together to make this happen it was not a one-person show this is a lot of people coming together yeah i would have to just echo all of that i feel very fortunate that um kim from the osprey uh reached out to us and really was a champion for this project and even when we were kind of like herding cats she she did the she did the deed she <laughs> herded us cats and um helped us get this event moving um and so yeah i would just echo everything that's been said of it's uh re we're really fortunate to have a team like this who will seek us out and knows the value and the importance that these uh that these topics bring to our community Again, Thursday night is uh, Indigenous Heritage and Celebration Night at uh, Ogren Park Allegiance Field, and then Pride Night on Friday, the following evening, Friday evening, in this last homestand for the Missoula Osprey. So go out to the games, enjoy the games, and uh, and 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 uh, support these folks who are down there. And uh, and and it's going to be a really fun night, both nights, all five nights, uh, I'm sure. Uh, Haley and Shane, thank you so much for being here. Really appreciate it. Great to have you. Thank you. Thanks for inviting us. Take a quick break. Matt Johnson, head coach of the Missoula Big Sky football team, joined us earlier. We'll have his interview next. Whether you're traveling to Missoula for business, a family visit, or to watch the Grizz game, the Wingate wants to be your home away from home. Call the Wingate to find out how we can take care of your next trip to Missoula. From conference rooms to great complimentary breakfast to an indoor water park, we have what you need and what you want when traveling. The Wingate of Missoula is a proud supporter of Grizzly and Lady Grizz athletics, and we look forward to making you feel at home when you're not.
Get commencement ready at the Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Their grad fair sale is going on right now if you visit msubookstore.org. Free regalia? When you purchase a diploma frame at the MSU Bookstore, you can obviously visit the MSU Bookstore on the Montana State campus. The Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Visit on campus or at msubookstore.org. 